Hi everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to this weekly conversation about laws in house legal practice. Today I have a very timely conversation with my friend Helen Yoon. Um, I'll let Helen introduce herself. Hi, I'm Helen Yoon. I'm Assistant General Counsel for North America at Brinks Incorporated. I'm also a mom and a spouse and a small business owner. Tell me more about, um, Helen, uh, kind of what you do daily as an in-house lawyer. And I guess as a mom and as a business owner. I've been practicing law for 20 years. Um, I've been in-house for pretty much that entire time. I didn't go the traditional, you know, big law path. I do lots of commercial contracts and everything else that a small legal department does. And um, in my free time, I help with our uh, family small business, which is an art studio, and um, help my husband raise our nine-year-old boy. How did you come to your first uh, legal job? After law school, I had convinced myself that I wanted to do health law. Um, My law school had a very good health law program, and they had started this um, health law fellowship at the state senate. Uh, I did the, the health law thing, and the program wasn't really well developed, and so I felt kind of a little bit like I'm kind of treading in sand here. And so I started looking to other um, areas of law and being from Texas and being from Houston, energy was a big thing. And so um, I ended up at an an electric utility and that's how I started my in-house career. You know, it's a difficult time and it's a difficult time, I think, to to be an Asian American given what's, what's going on in the world. What are your thoughts on this? You know, it's all the emotions. You know, um, sadness and anger and um, kind of what do we do? For myself personally, seeing all the news reports, it's terrifying, um, especially for, you know, I, I feel like I could probably take care of myself. I don't know. But if perhaps my mother was um the victim of something like that. I, you know, it, that, that scares me. I, I've also been very lucky that I haven't really experienced that myself um, or witnessed it. So it's, um, it's difficult. I'm with you. Um, it's really difficult to talk about, about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's difficult to comprehend that we, we are in the midst of it. I guess as a, as a person who probably is a little bit more personal, how do you, how do you cope with something like this? What, what, what has helped you? Hearing personal accounts of people that, you know, experience this, um, you know, my heart goes out to them. It, it, it's also helpful that friends, colleagues, neighbors that are allies have reached out to me and said, you know, said, you know, I just want to check on you. How are you? You know, we just want, want to make sure you're okay. And you always have an ally in me. So, you know, that is, that's everything to me, you know, my community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people reaching out on social media and being supportive and openly making statements was not acceptable today. Um, And I I definitely find it encouraging. Uh, For those of us who, you know, maybe not Asian American, but really want to be supportive, anything else we can do to uh, support our, um, you know, Asian American colleagues and, and and frankly, get away from, from, from this, (laughs) Mm-hmm. away from this experience that I think is really unfortunate. 
at this time. Yeah, you know, showing support, what you know, however way you feel comfortable doing that is good. But also, I, I think the more or the less bystanders we have, if you see something happening or you hear someone saying something inappropriate or, you know, seeing an act of violence, like doing something about it, calling people out for that and, and taking action. And, you know, that's really the best way to help to say, hey, that's not OK. You know, don't say that or don't do that or, you know, call the police or who, you know, whatever it may be is just not just standing by and ha- doing that whole bystander effect and doing nothing is saying something, taking an action. The other conversation I just had with my colleagues, you can view some of it as direct race related, but you can view it as gender related. What are, what are your thoughts here? I'm not really sure um, what to do with that in terms of how gender affects it. You know, maybe it's the stereotypes. So, so words matter. Words matter sometimes it's really hard to separate um, yeah. our, our various, unco- our unconscious biases come in the bundle. <laughs> Let's talk about unconscious biases because we've had, uh, we've had a pretty good conversation in the past about it. Um, I'm just curious how, how you think of it, how you experience it. As a woman, I think most women in, you know, corporate America, in the workplace have probably experienced some unconscious bias whether it's being described as too aggressive or bossy or even the B word. Um, and, you know, because there's that stereotype of a woman should be um, nurturing and caring and kind and motherly. Um, and so I think if you're too outspoken, it, you don't really fit that mold. And so, it, you know, it's kind of a disconnect. And so for me, um, you know, I've experienced that. Um, but you layer on top of that for me, um, being an Asian woman, being Asian and a woman, you know, you get the kind of the double stereotype of the the submissive Asian woman. Um, you know, you should be the China doll. Um, and if you're not, if you're outspoken, if you're what they say is aggressive or bossy, then you're the dragon lady. So, you know, it's kind of a, a lose-lose situation for us sometimes. Yeah, I, I find it very difficult to reconcile the, ex, the, the female expectation from a lawyer expectation because those really conflict head on. And, and now as a CEO, I, I think it's even more um, something that I experienced uh, because we, you know, there is a sort of expectation from, for Olga as a woman and there is an expectation for Olga as a lawyer. And sometimes it feels like it's a very little overlap if you think about Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does have impact on, on, on women professionals. What do you think? I, you know, I'm so glad you went there because as a lawyer, it's such a mixed message because in the courtroom, in the boardroom, at the negotiation table, they want you to be aggressive. They want you to be direct. Um, and, you know, that's what they want. They want you to be confident. But perhaps maybe behind closed doors, those adjectives, those are, are not good things for you um, in your career. If you're too direct or overconfident or aggressive, um, that means you're unlikable, unapproachable. 
And I think, you know, that's nobody wants to be unlikable. Everyone wants to be liked. So it's, it's definitely a mixed message for attorneys, female attorneys. Um, like w- which one is it? You know, two faces. Yeah. Yeah. Finding this, this pushy, aggressive enough, but not so pushy that they don't like you. Yeah. Twice. It's a very, very small uh, real estate to find. Yeah. Um, it's very challenging. And I think it, you know, it's kind of a lot of energy that goes into thinking, how do I find that perfect point? Um, and, um, and I think it does wear on you. And actually, um, do you think it um, could affect, you know, self-esteem or even maybe lead to kind of more psychological anxiety issues? I definitely, personally, it did affect my self-esteem. And I think it's, um, you know, especially when you're a young lawyer, when you're um, a young professional and you want to put your head down and you, you know, you're in the learning phase and you want to learn as much as possible about your craft, whether it's being a lawyer or, you know, an accountant or whatever that may be. Um, and, and at the same time, trying to understand and learn how to navigate, you know, company politics or, you know, how to present yourselves to executives and all of those things. And, and then when you get that kind of feedback, one, that maybe you're unapproachable or unlikable, you know, I think when you're younger, um, you take it as gospel. You don't really question it. Um, and I found for myself, you know, as I got older, I did start to question it. I, I didn't say, okay, well, so what's wrong with being confident? What's wrong with being direct? That's kind of what's expected of me as a lawyer. Um, you, you don't want a lawyer going in there kind of going all over the place. They, they want you to get to the point. And so the mixed message, I think it's really difficult and it does affect your self-esteem. Like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Is there not? You know, am I a good lawyer? Am I not? Um, yeah. And what is that trade-off between being a mother and a woman and uh, a human? Um, <laughs> that definitely. Um, but I, I, I definitely, when I was a, I guess young, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to emphasize my age. Um, <laughs> uh, but I guess when I was a more junior lawyer um, and a more junior human being, um, definitely kind of finding that balance was top of mind. Um, what top of mind where I'm in the middle of my career is when I show up to conversation, I'm a little worried that I have so many scars that I show up with the baggage mm-hmm. um, and that now I anticipate where people will take and I think I know what they want and how that conflict plays out. And, you know, when, when you have so many scars and you show up with the baggage, there is a chance that you actually influence the course of the conversation and that affects your interactions with others. So, you know, a kind of more difficult question, even kind of as you progress through your career, how do you continue showing up to conversations and experiences with open mind, even though you have many scars and calluses around um, that experience of, you know, lawyering under being a woman? <laughs> you know, I, I think we find ourselves editing you know, what we want to say a lot more. We, like you said, it's like a small real estate that you can find that kind of spot. And so we're always walking the tightrope. 
And, you know, I, I posted this article yesterday on my LinkedIn. Um, it was about why um, Asian American women are having trouble getting to senior leadership positions or something like that. And um, it, it really angered me because the conclusion or the solution that was offered was, you know, you need to just get better at impression management, uh, which is managing other people's impression of you. Um, and can so let's, you, let's pause here for a second. Yeah. So it, it's managing impressions of others. Um, okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So, you know, I think as lawyers, as professionals, our jobs are hard enough as it is. But as a woman, maybe as an Asian woman, we have that added thing of we have to now manage other people's impressions um, of us. And, you know, I've seen that with so many women, um, you know, colleagues and elsewhere that say maybe after a meeting, come up and ask me, do you think that was okay what I said? You know, did it come across too harsh or too aggressive? And I have to tell them, no, you you have to go for it. And, you know, I, and then in the back of my mind, I think, you know, do men come up to each other and say, hey, do you think that was too aggressive of me? I, I don't think so. I don't think that's really happening. I don't think it's a real conversation. And uh, if you have to manage others' view of, of you, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to manage yourself. And, and that's the only person that you can possibly manage successfully. Yeah. Um, those of us who can master the art of self-management, um, I think, kind of get further in life. Now, uh, the part where you kind of control others, <laughs> um, I don't know, um, that, that's unlikely. I, I think the only person you can master is to manage is yourself. Um, so that's, that's a very interesting um, conclusion of the article. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, um, if you ha- could rewrite the article, what different advice would you give based on your experiences? You know, kind of jumping to the, the conclusion of kind of where I wanted to end today with you, which is, you know, you have to be yourself. I, like you said, how do you effectively manage someone else's impression of you, you know, without being your true self? Um, it's almost impossible, I think. And it's exhausting for us to have to do that every day. Um, and, and then question, oh, gosh, the way I said that, was that too harsh? You know, every single time you say something or write an email um, and, you know, you have to be yourself. Um, I want to tell a story. Maybe I'll save it for the end of, you know, this whole be yourself thing. I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. No, no, I would love to hear it. Um, before, you, before you do, I, um, you know, you know what helped me was sort of overthinking um, whether I um I am too aggressive or too friendly or not so friendly. Um, I use Grammarly and Grammarly sends me a weekly report about objective report, not the one I, I, I produce in my head or overthink that gives me kind of various humanly parameters uh, on friendliness, assertiveness, and um, being neutral, being passive aggressive. Um, and actually kind of tells me that like you are, Three percent more friendly, two um, percent more aggressive, 
Um, it's actually kind of interesting because I, I get this report at the end of the week, um, and then I reflect on my week, um, and I that so when I find myself asking, you know, is this too much or too little? What I usually end up saying, okay, we're going to see it in the report. There's going to be a more objective data that tell me how I showed up in my conversations today, and I find it very interesting to kind of see how my reports, how data, objective data. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olga the human, not Olga the woman, not Olga the woman lawyer, not Olga the woman CEO, um, uh, correlates with what happens to me that week. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn more from that experience of matching, um, you know, objective data to objective things that are happening. And you learn a lot about kind of how you react on the spot. Because I, I think it's useful to, to be knowing yourself to actually know how you respond. Uh, but because I'm, I'm a little worried that now I overthink, um, I, I don't trust myself to be that data producer about all that. Um, and so that Grammarly report, because it actually goes through my emails and my writing and, 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 and measures um, my tone, essentially, uh, I find it to be a very useful objective data to analyze at the end of the week. But yes, uh, tell, me, tell me the story. I, I hope everyone's as lucky to, to have a boss or mentor or sponsor that gives you this message, which is, uh, let me tell you the story. A former GC of mine, you know, we were working on something and, you know, we kind of had to talk to a business person about kind of the correct way to approach something or I forget the, the specific issue, but I wrote out this email, drafted it, really thought hard about, you know, impression management and do it, you know, I don't want to come across as too harsh or, you know, mean or unapproachable, um, but I needed to get the point across. So I drafted a, an email and I sent it to my boss and I said, you know, do you think that was okay? Do you, you know, was it too harsh? You know, what, is it okay? Is it okay for me to send this? I wanted to get his permission. And he said to me, Helen, you do you. Um, you know, you have one, one of your great qualities is being able to read the room. Um, so just you do you. And having someone say that to you is very empowering empowering um it's comforting and everything else and so i i hope that everyone can have that someone that's got your back even if you're doing you and being yourself yeah that's a very important message um this has been uh, I've, I've been fortunate in my career that a few men and women to whom i reported or were superior to me or even my peers who basically told me that and that's uh, it's it's really a big gift um and uh, as someone who's been managing people for a while in various capacities um that's definitely the gift i i, I try to give i think it's, it's it's very empowering and you you remember those people who made you feel that way yeah. um in a very positive light and um you continue even if you don't work with them uh, have this positive relationship with them and a glow for a long, long time. Um, so I do think that there's um, helping folks show up as themselves uh, in every interactions, as opposed to teaching them how to manage the image of them in the eyes of others, mm-hmm. which is really by definition a manipulative behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, it's just much more satisfying. It's, 
it leaves this really lasting glow. Um, and I, I know exactly who made me feel this way. And I, I, I will uh, always think very positively of those people. So uh, I, I agree with you as, as, as a manager. Um, if, if you want to have an impact, that is definitely a way to, to, to get there. Do you, do you feel um, that, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, well, a lot about unconscious bias and uh, first being an Asian American and then the second kind of more specifically an Asian American woman. Do you think that had an impact on your career trajectory? Um, yeah. You know, I think when we're younger and, you know, at the beginning of our career, you know, I mentioned this, we have our head down, we're trying to to learn our craft and, and master all of that. And, and you're kind of oblivious because, you know, kind of that role is still beyond your reach. You know, you're working there, you're working your way up and all of those things. And, and then as you get older and you kind of come up to those leadership role opportunities, um, you know, if, if you're, what you're facing is, you know, you have awesome performance reviews, um, you've got great work ethic, you're ambitious and, um, your clients ha give you rave reviews and all of those things. And then, you know, the one maybe negative feedback is that you're too direct or, you know, those things that we talked about earlier. And it makes you wonder, um, okay, all these great things over here and then this, and is that prohibiting me from moving up and, and, you know, getting those other seniorship, senior leadership roles? Um, you know, it, is it that bamboo ceiling or the glass ceiling that women face? Um, you know, it's hard to tell, but it's very possible. Yeah, I find that when I'm in the midst of a feedback like that, um, or really any, any hard trip, it's really difficult because I think biases come in bundle. And sometimes people just, you know, have a reaction to Olga, like not Olga the woman or Olga mm -hmm. the refugee or Olga, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but Olga, the person, you know, who is, you know, maybe a little different <laughs> uh, and maybe not for everyone. And so when you're in the midst of it, I find uh, when you're dealing with hardships or feedback, it's actually not very useful to kind of debundle the bundle. Um, and if the question, if it's there, it's actually kind of useful to just problem solve. But, you know, there is an objective reality where, um, you know, I think not all of us experience, you know, maybe being a lawyer is hard, maybe being a CEO is hard for everyone, but it is harder for others for reasons they can't control. And, you know, that, that, that is a fairly, you know, well-documented challenge. And, and um, it's really interesting to think about what we individually and collectively can do about it. And I don't know if you have any thoughts. We're coming kind of to the end of our presentation and this conversation. But do you have any thoughts about what each of us can do mm -hmm. every day or often enough to uh, make sure that we actually, you know, go towards solution of this? Yeah, you know, I think um, we have to keep talking about it in forums like this and other places. And I think, you know, systemically, companies and organizations, you know, they need to recognize that it exists and and do training from the top down, 
right? It's not like a bottom-up thing where the leadership recognizes that there is unconscious bias and you have to train people about it, you know, because most of us are, I mean, I was oblivious to this concept until probably three, four, five years ago. Um, I just went about my life trying to be the best lawyer that I could be, you know, until maybe you see things that maybe it could be that or maybe it's not. I don't know. And then you start second guessing yourself until there's more conversation about it and more training. It's going to be really difficult. Training definitely helps. As I said, in my case, I find find it very helpful to have some actually objective measure. I find this to be helpful because then it's not, am I too harsh on me? Am I second guessing? Am I coming with the baggage? It's just a more objective conversation about Helen. Thank you for this conversation. I, I, I find this conversation very important, but very difficult. It is. Uh, I know that when you and I first started talking, we had a different topic in mind and it just was weighing on me like, no, we have to talk about this. And and so thank you for being open to talking about it. It's uncomfortable. I you know, had anxiety about it. That's the solution. I think we have to talk about it and people have to realize it exists. And, you know, that's why it's called unconscious bias. They don't realize it. I don't think there's malicious intent in it. But once you kind of open people's eyes to it, you know, that's when we're going to probably get the, the change. Yeah, I, it's, uh, we, we experience this challenge individually, but I actually think it's a collective problem. Um, and so I think when we, when we reflect how difficult it is, we acknowledge that we as individuals are not well equipped to understand, articulate, or deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, when, when we try to talk about it, it's hard and, and you know, there's sort of mixed feelings about, is it me, is it the world, what is it? Uh, Helen, thank you so much for this conversation. I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much.